0: forward slash give thanks for listening and god bless
1: our passage today comes from isaiah 58 verses 1 through 12 listen for what god is saying to you shout loudly don't hold back raise your voice like a trumpet announce to my people their crime to the house of jacob their sins they seek me day after day desiring knowledge of my ways like a nation that acted righteously that did not that did not abandon their god They ask me for righteous judgments, wanting to be close to God. Why do we fast and you don't see? Why afflict ourselves and you don't notice? Yet on your fast day, you do whatever you want and oppress all your workers. You quarrel and brawl and then you fast. You hit each other violently with your fists. You shouldn't fast as you are doing today if you want to make your voice heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I choose? A day of self-affliction, of bending one's head like a reed, and of lying down in mourning clothes and ashes. Is this what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Isn't this the fast I choose, releasing wicked restraints, untying the ropes of a yoke, setting free the mistreated, and breaking every yoke? Isn't it sharing your bread with the hungry, and bringing the homeless poor into your house, covering the naked when you see them, and not hiding from your own family? Then your light will break out like the dawn, and you will be healed quickly. Your own righteousness will walk before you, and the Lord's glory will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and God will say, I am here. If you remove the yoke from among you, the finger pointing, the wicked speech, if you open your heart to the hungry and provide abundantly for those who are afflicted, your light will shine in the darkness, and your gloom will be like the noon. The Lord will guide you continually and provide for you, even in parched places. He will rescue your bones. You will be like a water garden, like a spring of water that won't run dry. They will rebuild ancient ruins on your account. The foundations of generations past you will restore. You will be called mender of broken walls, restorer of livable streets. May may God add a blessing to the hearing and living out of this scripture.
0: Good morning, Urban Village Church again. Um, my name is Emily McKinley, and I have the great joy of serving as the pastor here um, and in ministry alongside so many folks um, that you never really see up front, um, but help us uh, do what we do here um, with as great ease as possible. Today, the MVP award goes to Jeff Myers, who shoveled the, the front walkway um, so that everyone could come grateful for um, all the ways that he kind of sees how we can be a more hospitable place. Please join me in prayer. God, we give you thanks um, for this day where the snow reflects your light with a kind of blinding joy that we maybe sometimes need, um, especially in not just weather in these, but times of the year like these and seasons of life that we might find ourselves in. And As we turn our hearts and our minds to your word and to your message, what you have to say to us today, I ask that you would open us to receive it, um, that your spirit would work unfettered and move freely throughout um, within us so that we might understand just a little bit more of who you are and how you are um, in this world and how you call us to be partners in that. And in this moment, God, we lift up to you our siblings, brothers and sisters and siblings that. UBC South Loop um, as they uh, hold uh, confusing questions this morning and um, sit together um, and be church in a way that matters the most when we are grieving. Um, So we lift them up to you and um, all those who who struggle with questions that are beyond um, them uh, and turn their faces to you. Um, If anything, Above all and beneath all, may they know your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'll unpack that a little bit more later. For now, um, we'll take a look at our passage today. It's a little bit of a freebie um, Sunday. Uh, And so I thought I would um, have us focus um, on what is to come over the next few weeks as we think about um, this season of Lent that is launched by Ash Wednesday. And last week, there was a really big football game that took place in Minneapolis. Um, and there was, as I understand it, many people uh, who were glad to know that Tom Brady's team had not won. My condolences to the Patriots fans among us. I know they're here. Um, but there was an even more troubling conversation taking place, not entirely unrelated to why some folks have beef with Tom Brady. No, it was not about the uncanny way that Justin Timberlake's shirt resembled a Bob Ross painting, uh, which (laughs) is hard to tell on this slide, although Justin Timberlake is not exempt from this conversation either. It was the unabashed way that black creativity, intellect, and consciousness was repeatedly ignored, co-opted, or misconstrued to serve the ends of materialism, entertainment, and ultimately, white supremacy. How's that for an opening statement in a sermon? (laughs) Now, beyond the NFL's war against consciousness, beyond the holograms of Prince beamed in over R&B beats while Justin uh, reclaimed his Tennessee roots, uh, beyond all of that, the most egregious and, frankly, baffling transgression was this.
1: Wonderful. If you want to be recognized, wonderful. If you want to be great, wonderful. But recognize that he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. That's a new definition of greatness. By giving that definition of greatness, it means that everybody can be great. You don't have to know about Plato and Aristotle to say.
0: Now, the audacity of this particular commercial, even beyond the distaste of seeing Dr. King's words used to sell a pickup truck, was the text, the sermon, from which these words came. In this sermon, entitled The Drum Major Instinct, Dr. King spoke specifically to the ways that marketers exploit our desires to be at the head of the pack, distinct and set apart, in order to sell us more stuff. Of course, this is not news to most of us, right? We kind of know this game, but here in this commercial, the offense isn't that the marketers are doing this, although it is a bold choice. (laughs) We kind of expect this sort of behavior. The thing that set my teeth on edge about this commercial is that it taps into an honorable, and I would say godly desire, a desire to be of service to others and do something good in the world. Taking that desire, Twisting it and reducing it to the cheap and hollow purpose of owning a thing. The point that Dr. King was making, it will be no surprise to anyone here, is that to be of service to one another is a calling of the highest and most costly of orders. It will cost you much more than a 30% down payment. It will cost you even, at times, your hope. It will cost you your entitlement, hard-earned or otherwise. The drum major instinct is an instinct to be disciplined for a higher purpose rather than set loose to develop into pridefulness and contempt. It resides in the souls of those who offer themselves to one another, not a V6 engine, even if it does have fuel saver technology. Nothing wrong with owning a truck, but let's not confuse where the soul lives and what the soul is for. Now, we just finished up a sermon series on what meaningful life looks like, and we all had all these wonderful touch points for helping folks gain a sense of where to begin, what to focus on, and how to pursue those things that bring meaning. And it all feels very hopeful, very New years E, right, which was kind of the point. But over the next several weeks, as we enter the season of Lent, we're going to take all of those high ideals and hopes and pull them down from the stratosphere, moving them from word to flesh, so to speak, so that we can begin the real work of meaningful living that leads us and and the world around us to greater wholeness. Today, we are taking a look at scripture in the tradition of the prophet Isaiah. And whenever you read the prophets, you kind of have to like straighten your back and tighten your core a little bit, because at some point, you will have to consider some things that you might not want to consider, right? No one walks away from the prophets unscathed, including the prophets themselves, which is sort of the point. I mean, we need someone to call us on our stuff, right? To keep us honest every once in a while, at least. In fact, just the other day, my dear husband told me that my prayers were getting too long in worship. I didn't want to hear it, right? I didn't appreciate it. But once my ego had recovered, I have determined that I will work harder uh, to pair brevity with my petitions to God, right? And I suspect that many of you actually might be a little thankful for Rich's willingness to speak truth. And all that to say, our passage for this morning is no exception to the truth-telling that needs to be told, whether it's constructive criticism or those Israelites back in the day trying to lift their heads up from under Babylon's oppressive governance. The author of this passage is spilling all the tea so that folks can get woke to the ways that they are fooling themselves in their religiosity. Why do we fast and you don't see? Why afflict yourselves and you don't notice? Yet, on your fast day, you do whatever you want and oppress all your workers where you quarrel and brawl and then you fast, you hit each other violently with your fists. Isn't this the fast I choose? Releasing wicked restraints, untying the ropes of a yoke, setting free the mistreated? Isn't it sharing your bread with the hungry and bringing the homeless poor into your house, covering the naked when you see them, and not hiding from them your own family? No one is safe from Isaiah's, Isaiah's tea spillage. Not your credit card charges, not your browser history, and not your unreturned texts. Because what God is doing is calling them out on their audacious, reckless, and shameless hypocrisy. But in order to fully appreciate what Isaiah is saying, it's helpful to understand the framework that he's working from. So let's kind of pause on that. If your heartbeat was kind of, you're getting a little sweaty. um, We'll pause on that for a second, right? Because there's this phrase that shows up throughout Scripture. It's tzedek mishpat. Roughly, these translate to justice and judgment. The idea is that while tzedek is about God's vision for justice and wholeness in the world, it must be more than a good idea and mishpat, is about the real consequences of failing to pursue that vision, judgment. When you put them together, it's kind of like a dynamic conversation, a give and take between God's vision and for justice and ideals and, and to be in right relationship with God and with one another and God's demand for us to live into that vision with consequences if we don't. And so this is what Isaiah is saying. You all are crying out for Tedek mishpat, and you haven't pursued no Tedek mishpat to your own people. How sway? They don't want to hear it, but they'll drink that tea because they know it's true. We need to hear it because it keeps us honest and our prayers concise. But well, let's put on our empathy glasses for a moment, right? If only to see the world the way those Israelites back in the day saw it. They were in a bit of a confused state. They were living in an era when politically, they thought things were going to get better, right? They were on this trajectory of hope. Uh, The government of Babylon had said, you know, we're going to give you your own place. You don't have to, you know, kind of be living um, where we tell you to live. You're going to be able to rebuild the temple, all the things that you want to do, right? And then the political winds shifted. And all that hope seemed to vanish. And so... In their grief and their confusion on November 9th, they turn to the thing that they knew, right? Prayer and fasting, seeking God's favor. But God is like, look, I'm glad to have you all, but if you're doing this, only this, you're missing the point. You have the tzedek, but I don't see any mishpat. I don't see you holding each other accountable You've got it twisted. You keep showing up and showing out for church, but you are nowhere to be found when it comes to addressing the systems that work against your wellness. Fasting and presenting yourself for worship is all well and good, but understand what it's about. We're not talking about a checklist of faith things to do to keep your salvation savings account in the black. These things that you do for worship are supposed to shape you, to live lives of courage and faith, to seek justice and restoration beyond the walls of this church. If your worship practices are not compelling you to live better, to be better, and to do better in this world, the author is saying, then take some time to examine what you're trying to accomplish. Are you double-speaking yourself, convincing yourself that you're all good when really there's some stuff that you need to be attending to? You won't get far in faith if you're not willing to be honest with yourself first. Now, if you come from the kind of faith tradition that I came from, one that was maybe more conservative or evangelical, you might be thinking to yourself, Man, I already know all about this stuff. I was made to feel bad about myself every single day that I, Sunday, that I walked through the door, right? But here's the thing, fixating on yourself so that you can be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, that's not the point. Or at least it's not the whole point. If personal holiness is all you focus on, then you'll end up making the same mistake that the Israelites did so long ago, and God will have nothing to do with you. Because worship is not for me, full stop. It's for me to be reminded of God's judgment, mishpat, so that I am compelled to pursue tzedek, to seek justice and right relationships in this world. The efficacy of our worship, the depth of our repentance, the goal of all the things that we do as a faith community, Isaiah is saying, all of this, is measured by what tangible, concrete difference it makes, not only in our lives, but also perhaps more even, even more importantly, in the world that we live in. Lent, the season of 40 days leading up to Easter, begins this Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, if you didn't catch that earlier. right? It's part of the Christian calendar, where we make space for us to intentionally reorient ourselves towards God's purposes and realign ourselves with God's values. Ash Wednesday is that launch point, the day when we drink our own tea, right, and own up to our stuff, our limitations and our failings. We receive the ashes and we hit the reset button of our faith. It's a built-in way to examine yourself and the world that you're living in with courage and honesty, to pause and ask, who am I? Really, what kind of world am I contributing to? We remember that we're human, made from dust returning to dusk. We remember that we're connected, built for right relationship with God and with one another, that we're purposed, created for works that go beyond my private personal faith, but to set that faith in action. Now at the end of our passage, Isaiah calls people out of themselves into a deeper connection. If you pursue tzedek mishpat, not only will I deliver tzedek mishpat, you will also be called a repairer of the breach a restorer of streets to live in. Isaiah isn't here to drag them, although he's not not here to drag them, right? He's here to call them to a higher purpose and a deeper alignment with God and God's vision. What does it look like to repair breaches in your life? What does it require for you to restore the streets? You know, the Reverend Dr. William Barber, the um, the leader who is... um, reviving Dr. King's Poor People's Campaign, he started an organization to sort of serve as a vehicle for that campaign and it's called Repairers of the Breach. He is trying to call us, all of us who call ourselves believers and followers in this tradition, to a higher call beyond my own personal comfort and salvation. What do you need to do in order to orient yourself more truly to become a repairer of the breach, a restorer of livable streets. God calls us then, once we have done that work, to shout these things loudly, not to be shy about being the kind of people we ought to be or tell the world that it was made for better because we already know that deep in our spirits. In fact, I suspect that there are a lot of folks out there waiting for just that kind of message. The way the world is is not the way the world has to be. This ultimately is what we're calling people toward with our Ash Wednesday outreach. You're not alone in wanting to do better, be better, and live better. You're not the only one wanting to hit the reset button in your spirit to get more aligned in that vision of wholeness of life for all. And you're not the only one who has missed the mark, not once, not twice, but more times than you can count. And so if you're available, I would urge you to join us in that work. It's a message that people need to hear. You will meet your neighbors, and some will be in a hurry, and some will want to avoid you. But some people will stop. They will stop because they know this tradition. They will stop, and they will close their eyes, and they will offer their foreheads to receive the ashes and pause to consider their humanness. And then they'll move on with their day. Some people will stop and ask, what's going on? What are you doing here? And then you'll be able to tell them that they were made from dust, the same thing as everything else in the world, that they are made for God's purposes, to love each other and to seek a more whole world. And after that, as we begin our 40 days to the cross, I'd invite you to consider what it is that you might give up or take on in order to more deeply orient yourself to God's purposes and work in the world. Is it connecting through our prayer groups? or exploring spiritual practices through the small group that begins today? Will it be to to reach out to Brett and learn how to get more deeply involved with justice efforts through our partnership with the Community Renewal Society? Will it be to work with Courtney and Josh to develop a service relationship with a local organization nearby in our neighborhood? Or to partner with Brandy and Greg in our efforts to dismantle racism? Or maybe it's taking that list that Isaiah laid out, right? releasing wicked restraints, untying the ropes of a yoke and setting free the mistreated, sharing your bread with the hungry, bringing the homeless poor into your house, covering the naked when you see them and not hiding or averting your eyes from them, removing the yoke from among yourself, the finger pointing and the wicked speech, opening your heart to the hungry, providing abundantly for those who are afflicted. There are many ways to engage in Tzedek mishpat. Take your pick. The questions are the guide. What does it mean for you to be a repairer of the breach? What does it look like to help restore the streets and make them more livable? I just saw a story the other day where a local organization called My Block, My City, My Hood, I think I got that wrong order, but they, uh, they shoveled uh, the snow for all the elderly people in their neighborhood. That is literally making the streets just a little bit more livable. So take these questions into your week. And then receive the ashes on Wednesday and maybe distribute them too, right? And remember the ways that you're tied to creation in life and death and purpose and possibility. How will you be a repairer of the breach? How will you restore the streets and make them just a little bit more livable? Meditate on this. Act on this. And then see what unfolds within you and through you into this world. Let us pray. God, we thank you for that very um, inconvenient vision of Tzedek Mishpat and that you call us continually into participating into it. So I ask that as we move into this week, that you would help us to be honest with ourselves to hear what it is that your spirit is calling us toward to give up or to take on, to help us discern more deeply and with courage what it means to repair breaches and restore the streets. Be with us as we enter into this time, beginning on Wednesday, of deep discernment. Help us to um, find ourselves, opening ourselves to new ways of being and doing and living in this world for your